Good morning, Chicago and Bible Fellowship. Y'all could do a little bit better than that. It's Youth Sunday, so I should feel that youth energy, right? Good morning, Chicago and Bible Fellowship. That's a little bit better. I don't know about that last voice, but that's a little bit better. I would ask that you stand as I read the word of God. I'll be reading from the first chapter of John, starting at verse 35. And the text, if I could get there, reads as follows. The next day, John, there again, with two of his disciples, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your grace your mercy, the privilege that we have to open your word and allow it to speak to us. Lord, all those that are under the sound of my voice, I pray that ears would be open, hearts would be softened to hear exactly what you have to say through your servant this morning. Move me out of the way. Let your word come forth with power, conviction. Lord God, may I decrease while you increase and you get all the glory. In Jesus' name, let the church say Amen. Amen. You could be seated. If you note in your bulletin, the title of today's message is The Impact of Bad Choices. And all of you all, every day we make hundreds of choices. When you got up this morning, you chose whether you were going to shower or not. You chose what outfit you were going to wear. You chose what you were going to eat. Some of you all had the privilege of choosing a hairstyle today. I didn't get that privilege. I only got one way. <laughs> I can't do much with this. And you see, those types of choices are what I, I, I classify as inconsequential. Yeah, they, they really wouldn't harm you, you know, in most cases, right? Then there are some choices that you are going to be confronted with that can be life-altering the folk that you hang around with, right? The folk that you hang around with, who you choose to marry, right? Right? What you allow to go into your body. Am I going to smoke that marijuana? Am I going to drink that alcohol? Those kind of choices can be life-altering. And here's the thing. God gives us what's called free will. And what we need to understand is we have to exercise that free will in the choices and decisions that we make with godly wisdom. And you see, God doesn't create us. A, think about it. God could have programmed us to where we were robots, where he said, hey, Brandon, go share the gospel with that person. And I go over, hey, would you like to know Jesus as your personal Savior? Please repent and be saved. No, God doesn't operate that way. He gives us free will to make choices and decisions. And he wants us to freely obey him, right? He doesn't force that on us. He wants us to freely obey him and make godly decisions, godly choices. And here's the thing. This book right here, this is a major gift 
for us. Because here's the thing. We have the privilege to open God's word, look into it, and learn from OPE, other people's experiences. So we don't have to make the same mistakes. Amen? We don't have to make the same mistakes. And this morning, I want you to open your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 11. Most of you all know David. If I mention David, probably the first thing that's going to come to your mind, he's the one that slew who? Goliath, right? David was a man of God. The, the word says that David was a man after God's own heart. He was a mighty warrior. But guess what? David made poor choices. He made poor choices. And I'm going to open up at chapter 11, verse 1, and the text reads as follows. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. You see, back then, um, the winter was like the rainy season in that particular uh, region. The roads would be muddy. It wasn't a, a good time to go to war. So the springtime where the roads were dry and they were able to maneuver, that was the best time. And oftentimes, the king actually went out to battle. He didn't just sit in the palace. He was actually out there in the midst of the battle. Now, here's the thing. The first thing I want you to know in terms of bad choices, David was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Wrong place. Anybody ever was in the wrong place at the wrong time? Huh? I don't see any young, young people's hands going up. I know I, I, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time a, a lot of times. And one particular time, I decided to ditch school. Me and my, let me, hold on, let me back up for a second. Kids, do not do this. <laughs> I want to put that out there. Do not practice this. How does it go? Do not do this. Try this at home. Do not do this. Learn from my experience. I decided to skip school with my cousin Robert. We walked from Cabrini Green on the, on the near north side all the way up to Foster. He had some friends, and we had it all planned out. We were going to spend the day with these friends and have a good old time. Well, unbeknownst to me, my cousin Lolita told my teacher that I got hit by a car. So the teacher felt bad. They spent the entire day making get well cars for me. And so at the end of the day, my teacher, Ms. Marshall, called my mom and said, oh, Ms. Savage, we were just calling to check on Brandon. How's he doing? We heard about the accident. And my mama said, what you talking about accident? He got, he got, we heard he got hit by a car. What? So she got, now she's all worried. So she got a hold of my older cousin, Gene, and he told her exactly what was going on. So she sent him to get me and Robert. So Gene walks up and he goes, you in trouble. I said, what you talking about trouble? He said, your, uh, your, my auntie know all about you skipping school. Well, to make a long story short, when I got home, <laughs> when I got home, she played the marching band on my behind. I paid for that. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Should have been in school. So I want to encourage you, young people, if you're thinking about going somewhere where you shouldn't be, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> All right? Learn from my mistake. But David was in the wrong place 
at the wrong time. The text goes on to read, on the evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone out to find out about her. The man says she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Here's the second mistake that David makes. He entertains sin. He entertains sin. He's out there, and I know David didn't intentionally go out there looking for uh, Bathsheba. But when it presented itself and he's out there and he sees her bathing, what should David have done? He should have ran. He should have turned the other way. I want to encourage you young people, and I, I, I know, um, and this is kind of going to be a little bit deep for some of you all, the younger kids here, pornography is huge right now. You open that computer up, stuff just pops up. You, you, you can, don't even have to search for it. Sometimes you go into a particular site, and boom, something pops up on that, on that computer. You better close that thing. You better close that thing because then what happens if you begin to, to look into that? Oh, let me take a look at that. You fall. That's how sin draws you in. It's like Satan has a, 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 the bait on there. He's putting that bait in. He's just reeling you, reeling you in until he gets you hooked. And this is what happens to David. He should have ran when he saw Bathsheba. He should have went back into his room, went back into the palace. But David didn't do that. He entertained sin. He sent men to go find out, who is that? Who is that woman? And they tell him, they said, that's, that's Uriah's wife. That should have been the end of it. David then goes on. The next mistake that David makes, it says, The man said, isn't that Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sends messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. She had purified herself from her uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. He acts on his sin. He acts on it. A wise man once told me, he said, sin will take you further than you want to go, make you stay longer than you want to stay, and make you pay more than you're willing to pay. Anybody know who that wise man was? He's sitting right there. Pastor Racket. <laughs> huh? Make you stay longer than you want to stay and make you pay more than you are willing to pay. So David acts on the things that was in his heart. He had already committed sin by lusting after her. Already. Then that whole thing comes to fruition where he actually acts upon it physically and drags this woman. And now she's pregnant. Now what do I do? Now I'm in a mess. I'm in a bind. How do I fix this thing? Instead of going to the Lord and saying, I repent, I messed up, he tries to cover the thing up. The text tells us, so David sent his word to Joab and his commander, and he said, send me Uriah the Hittite, and Joab uh, sent, to him, sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked him how Joab was. He's just shooting the breeze with him like nothing's going on. How the soldiers were and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace and a gift from the king was sent to him. But Uriah slept at the entrance 
to the palace with all the master's servants and did not go home down to his house. What David was hoping that Uriah would come and he would send him to his house and he would go to his wife and that it would look like it was their baby. Right? He was trying to cover that whole thing up. But Uriah was a man of great character. He was a man that he was a godly spiritual man. He was like, I am not. He was committed to the call. I am not going to do this thing. It says he went and slept outside the palace. To be honest with you, I would have went home. I ain't going to lie to y'all, I would have went home. I'm out there, you know, out to battle and war. I'm tired now. I got a chance to, to be with my family, be with my wife. I, I would have went home. He would have tricked Brandon Savage. He would trick me. Uriah didn't fall for it. The scriptures tell us that when David was told Uriah did not go home, he asked him, haven't you just come from a distance? Why didn't you go home? Uriah said to David, the ark of Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my master Joab, uh, my Lord's men are camped in the open fields. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and lie with my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. Then David says to him, David's like, man, what am I going to do? David didn't give up at that point. He said, this is what David did. He said, then David said to him, stay here one more day and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in, in Jerusalem that day. And the next invitation, he drank, he ate and drank with him. The brother tried to get him drunk. Said, if I can't get him to just go down there sober, let me get him under the influence of alcohol. And then maybe he'll go down and do what I need him to do to cover this thing up. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day to the next, and David's invitation, he ate and drank, and David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out and slept at the mat among the master's servants. He did not go home. He did not go home. He called a brother and asked him, hey, will you just go down to the house, get some rest, wash your feet, you know, be with your family and what have you. He didn't do it. He tries to get the brother drunk. That doesn't work. Now, what do you do at that point? What do you do at that point? We know the story. David says, okay, that didn't work. Here's what I'm going to do. He's gonna, what did I say about the wise man said about sin? It will take you further than you want to go, make you stay longer than you want to stay, and make you pay more than you're willing to pay. He's digging a deeper hole here. He's digging a deeper hole. Here's the thing. It said, in the morning... David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. It wrote, put Uriah in the front line where the fighting is fierce. Withdraw from him so that he will be struck down and die. And this is the king. <laughs> You're going to have the brother murder to cover this thing up. And here's the thing. When you're walking in sin, you, you, you become callous. You become blinded. And you worried about, instead of confessing that thing and, and, and taking care of that, getting back in line with the Lord, you worried about what other people are going to think. Right? You worried about, man, what are people going to say about me? You better not be worrying about what Brandon Savage is going to say about you. You better be worried about the Lord. And we're going to see that, what happens a little bit later on here. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. When the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, 
some of the men in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite had the brother killed. Had the brother killed. And here's the thing. When I talked about how you get so callous and insensitive to your sin and blinded by it, I'm going to jump down to verse 25. David told the messenger, after he had got word that Uriah uh, was dead from the messenger, David told the messenger, say to Joab, don't let this upset you. The sword devours one as well as another. This ain't no big deal. This is all part of war, is what he's saying. Press the attack against the city and destroy it. Say this to encourage Joab. Then here's what the brother did. It says, when Uriah's wife had heard that her husband was dead, she mourned from him. After the time of mourning was over, David had brought, to a, brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But this thing David did displeased the Lord. Displeased the Lord. The brother had the nerve to bring her uh, into the palace and make her his wife. Had the brother Uriah murdered, then you take his wife and make her your own. And he thought it was good, everything was good. There's no hint of any repentance at this point. There's no hint of his sin. He doesn't see any of this right now. He's blinded to his own sin at this point. But here's what I want you to understand. Hear me, if you all could lean a little forward in your seats a little bit, and I want you to put your hand to your ear to make sure that you hear me loud and clear. Please, everybody, please put your, put your hand right here to your ear. If you are a child of God and you are walking in sin, the day of reckoning is going to come. The Lord chastens those that he loves. He will not allow you to continue to walk in sin. Do y'all hear me? Huh? Everybody heard me. All right? Everybody should know that. Now, if you don't know the Lord, there will be consequences to your sin. There will be. You will pay the price for decisions and choices that you make. And at the end, if you die in your sins, you will spend eternity separated from God. But I'm here to tell you this morning, if you profess to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God will not allow you to continue to walk in sin and stay quiet. He doesn't operate that way. If we as parents see our kids doing something wrong, there's no loving parent that's going to stand by and say, smoke that joint. It's okay, Brandon. Okay, Brock, drink that do that. Hey, mess around with those girls. No parent in their right mind is going to do that. That's the same way God operates. David's sin begins to be exposed. I want to tell you one of my, um, my favorite verses in scripture, and I, 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 this is in my head all the time, is Proverbs 10.9. It says, the man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. And here's the thing. You don't know when that finding out is going to come. You don't know. It's the most inopportune time. <laughs> Stuff gets exposed. He said, man, whoa, I never thought I'd get caught like this. I have people at my job that do crazy stuff all the time. Had a particular individual signing his own invoices and not doing the work. 
How do you think you're going to get away with that? At some point, the customer is going to call, we don't know which one, and say, hey, I didn't get my service, but I got a bill. That's, at some point, you are going to be exposed. Nathan, the prophet, comes forward and confronts David. We see this in chapter 12. And the text reads as follows. The Lord sent Nathan to David when he came. Let me stop for a second. Here's the thing. God, if you can't see your sin, you can't see it. It's important that others who love you and who are around you to confront you on it. To confront you on it. I think we have a responsibility to one another to say, hey, now it's a way that you do it. Now, now notice in the text as we begin to, to, to chop this thing up, Nathan didn't come to David and say, man, you dirty, low-down rascal. This thing that you did is just despicable. You're the worst king ever. He didn't take that approach. I like how he came at David. He had to get him to buy in. And he had to get him to a place where he couldn't move. He couldn't maneuver out of this. He couldn't make excuses because he had already co-signed on what Nathan had said. Listen to the text. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich, the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it. It grew up with him and with his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep and, or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he had did such a thing and had no pity. How dare this guy does that? And here's the thing, I love to see, see David's face at this point. And Nathan said to David, you are the man. This is you, you. You're the one. And David like, oh. like that thing Macaulay Culkin, y'all see Home Alone. Oh, that is me. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. He anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your, your, you, your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. If all of this had been too little, I would have given you even more, even more. The Lord had blessed him beyond belief, and it wasn't enough. I remember pastors saying, when is enough enough? You know, when is enough enough? He was already in a good place and everything. He had, he had all the wives he, he could think of, so that, that wasn't even an issue where he was lacking. You will pay the consequences begin to unfold at this point. This is what the Lord says. 
Out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity upon you. Remember what I said, the Lord, Hebrews 12, I think it's 6, that the Lord chastens those that he loves. Chastens those that he loves. It says, this is what the Lord says, out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity on you. <coughs> Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you. He will lie with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret. I'm going to expose this thing. But I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. He got it at that point. He got it. He got it. It began to sink in. It took a whole lot, <laughs> but it began to sink in. Then David said, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die, but because of doing this, uh, you have made the enemies of the Lord show other contempt. The son born to you will die. Here's where those consequences begin to unfold. Now, we all make mistakes. I think everybody would raise their hand and say, uh, we've made some mistakes. None of us are perfect. But as, the, as David began to look into this thing, and, and it took so much for him to, to, to realize his sin, you know, and at that point, even at that point, the Lord forgave him. But notice in the text, God didn't take away the consequences. He didn't take away the consequences. There was going to have to be a price, even for us as believers. Yes, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But he doesn't say he's going to take away the consequences. Here's what begins to unfold. Consequence number one, the baby dies. Baby dies. If we roll over, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to go there. You can read it on your own time. There was turmoil in David's house. His son, Amnon, fell in love with his sister, decides to rape his sister. You got that? You, got, you know how sick that is? He rapes his own sister. And to avenge his sister's death, his other son, Absalom, to avenge his sister's rape, has this guy killed. The hand to have Amnon is killed. So he lost one son at that point. He loses another son. And at the end of the day, he, Absalom, goes to war with David. They're going back and forth. It's, it's utter chaos. Your son is fighting against his father. It's utter chaos. And then eventually, Absalom is killed. Wow. All because of one bad decision that led to another, that led to another, that led to another, bringing them to a place where now it's death. Folk are dying. Remember what I said earlier? Some of these could even lead to death. Lead to death. And here's the thing. When you're choosing to, to, to make a decision, a choice, when you're choosing, you better weigh the consequences. You better weigh it. And here's the thing. It doesn't only affect you. It's the decisions that you make. 
not only affects you, it affects your relationship with the Lord first and foremost. It's going to affect your spouse. I had a conversation with, with, with one of my kids, and I began to tell him, I said, what if your dad went out and did something crazy, right? It's going to affect you all. It's going to affect my wife. It's going to affect my other extended family, folk in the church. I know Pete Morrison going to look at me sideways. Like, what? Savage? What's wrong with you? Huh? It's going to affect the people in the church, folk on my job. There's a lot, there's a lot that it's a ripple effect where that sin starts to fan out and impact other people. I've heard there was a church on the north side and where the pastor was unfaithful to his wife. And the impact, the fallout, the whole church just fell apart. Fell apart. It's one bad decision. And here's the thing. It's a series of bad decisions. It's a series. Because what happens is, you, you, you be, you, I'm thinking about this thing as we see with David. He was thinking about it. He had the opportunity to move, so he made one bad decision after another, after another, after another. There's a progression. That's how Satan operates. He tried, like I said earlier, he tried to reel you, reel you in, bring you in, and bam, you find yourself in calamity. How did I, everybody, you, you, you ever get to a place and wonder, man, how did I get here? How did things get so jacked up? Huh? And that's where David is right now. Here's what I want to encourage you. I would be uh, remiss and a derelict of duty if I left things at this point, right? That's an amen. You all heard? <laughs> you heard the word? All right, it's time to go home. Liz, you come forward and sing the closing song, and we pray and walk out of here. That would be a derelict of duty on my part. God's not going to allow that today. So here's the thing. I want to share with you a surefire way, 100% in terms of giving you the blueprint of how to make good choices. You might want to pull your pens out at this point. If you hadn't earlier, pull your pen out, your smartphone, and do your notes or whatever, how you want to record this. The first thing, if you want to purpose to make good choices, the first thing that you got to do is go to the Word of God. The first thing that you have to do is go to this book right here. Psalms 119.105 says, God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. It's going to give me direction. It's going to tell me which way to go. And the Bible speaks to everything you're going to be going through, you're going to be faced with, whether it's finance, whether it's sexual purity, whether it's conflict, whether it's family issues, whatever the case, the word of God is going to speak to it. God did a good job in making sure that he gave us a manual that we can apply to every situation. There's nothing lacking here. It's right there. But here's the thing. You got to get into God's word and allow it to get into you. Now, if this book just sits on the shelf and you never open it, eh, you, you're not going to be able to go out and pull from it because you got nothing that you put in to get it into you. So you're going to have to study God's word. Go to God's word, and it'll speak to whatever 
uh, situation you're going to. The next thing, after we go to God's word, we want to pray. Y'all like, man, this is real simple stuff. This is stuff that we already know, right? Huh? We want to pray. We look at Philippians 4, 6. It talks about praying about everything. Pray, and God wants, he already knows, but he wants to hear. He wants to communicate with us. He wants us to, to use him as a resource because he's got the knowledge. He's got the wisdom that he can pour down on us. We want to go to the word of God. We want to spend some time in prayer. And then the third thing is we want to seek wise counsel. I want to have some individuals around me that's going to share godly wisdom with me. And here's the thing, especially I want to speak specifically to our young people. Watch the folk that you rub shoulders with. The people that are closest to you should be walking with the Lord. Because here's the thing, if I'm, if I'm hitched to a non-believer, when I go to them, they won't be able to share God's word with me because they lost. We want, that's why we want to make sure that we're, my, my closest people are men of God, that are in my circle that are men of God. Huh? There's nobody in my inner circle that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Not a one. All of my closest buddies are walking with the Lord. And I want to encourage you to choose your friends well. And here's the thing. God puts other people in your life so that you can bounce some things off. I know you don't always like hearing from your parents. Some of you all think, well, I know what mom and dad's going to say. Uh, but there's other people around you. There's other leaders in the church. There's other folk that care and love you, that are walking with the Lord. And I want to, if I'm thinking about doing something and making the decision, I want to be bouncing that off of them. And say, hey, hey, I'm struggling with this, and I'm, I'm thinking about doing this. Help walk me through it. And they're going to share godly wisdom with you. And here's the thing. I want to back up a second. There are a lot of knowledgeable people in the world. There are a lot of knowledgeable, smart people that are on a genius level. But guess what? There's a lot of knowledgeable and smart, genius people that are going to hell because they lack wisdom. So it's one thing to know, to have the information and know. It's a whole other thing to exercise wisdom in doing what you know is the right choice. Whole other thing. So I want to seek out wise counsel. Bounce it off some folk. Don't be going and listening to 2 Chains and uh, even Tupac. I know Tupac was big in the day. KRS-One, these are some of the rappers. And you know some folk make their decisions based off of the philosophy of these individuals. You'll be a fool. Huh? You'll be a fool and they're going to take you right to hell. Amen? Don't let them do it. One of the last things I want to share with you is we talked about the Word of God, getting into the Word of God. We talked about prayer. We talked about seeking wise counsel. The fourth thing you want to do is count the cost. Count the cost. Am I willing to pay what it's going to cost me? Does the benefits outweigh the negatives? Huh? 
Does the benefit, the positives and the negatives, does it, does it balance out? Huh? Usually it doesn't. And so I'm going I'm to keep it straight up 100 and tell you straight up. And I know, hey, we, we had a, I wrestled with whether this was appropriate to share for you Sunday. And as I begin to pray, we got word that one of our, our teens doesn't attend our church here. It's pregnant. 16 years old, pregnant. She made a bad choice. This was a kid that was in church. This was a kid that spent time at youth group. This was a kid who went to kids across America, but made a bad choice. I said, no, you, you, you tell it like it is. They need to hear this. We need to hear this. Don't sugarcoat because the world is not holding anything back. When they go into those schools, they teaching them all kind of crazy stuff. They ain't holding nothing back. So we would be plum fools. As Derrick Rose would say, you could be a fool if you want to and not tell these kids the truth and sugarcoat it when they get out there and fall. Shame on us. Because the world is not going to hold back. So we need to make sure that they hear it in a godly setting. Hear the truth. Hear what's going on. Prepare them to make wise choices. Count the costs. What is this going to cost me if I do this thing? Am I willing to pay what it's going to cost me if I do this thing? And here's what I, I want to do as I bring this thing to a close. I know it's Youth Sunday. The attention span is short and all of that stuff, right? Even with the adults. I know some of you all are thinking, man, I, I got uh, lunch and dinner reservations and things to do today. But I know that there are some individuals here, I ain't just talking to young people, that are contemplating making a poor choice. I don't know what that is. You do, between you and God, you're contemplating making a choice. And my prayer is that as a result of what you heard today, stuff that you already know, that you would put it into action and not do this thing. There's some that are here that have made bad choices. And you're going through the consequences right of it right now. I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, confess that thing. Give it to Jesus. Allow him to, to handle that, to forgive you. He's faithful to do that. We got to give it up. Don't worry about what the public perception is going to be, what folk are going to think about. You better be thinking about what the Lord thinks about you and your situation. Don't allow Satan to hold you bound. Don't allow him to do it because he's good at that. Huh? Satan's good at getting in your head. It was like, man, if pastor find out what you did, you're going to have to stand before the church. Folk going to be looking at you sideways. They're going to be talking about you, your family, all this stuff. Don't allow Satan to play those games with you. Don't allow him to do it. He wants to hold you hostage in your sin. And as a believer, we got no business being there. We got no excuse. Now, to the unsaved, yeah, they're shackled, they're bound. For us as believers, 
We have no business being bound to sin and allow Satan to have his way with us. The only way that happens if we choose for it to happen. We make a bad choice. Then there's someone here that might not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Want to pray? Uh, you need to choose life. Because the reality is, is that if you die in your sins, you will spend eternity separated from God in hell. I don't know any other way to put it. You will spend eternity separated from God in hell. And sometimes us church folk, we just assume <laughs> sometimes that folk are saved. We assume that, okay, all my, my kids are saved. And, no, we don't want to take anything for granted. Amen? So I want to pray right now as I begin to bring this thing to a close. If I could ask that you stand to your feet. And I, I specifically, this is Youth Sunday. I know we're under attack. Satan is attacking leadership. If I could take out leadership, if I could take out the head, I could have my way. And he's doing a good job in our community at that. Doing a good job. Now what he's doing, he's taking out young people. Check out the news. Brother Savage, where are you getting this from? Turn on the news. Every single day, a young person is being shot or killed in Chicago. They say there's more killings here than in Iraq. That's crazy when you think about it. But you see, sometimes we, we, it don't resonate with us until it's somebody that we know. We need to be praying. Praying, saying, so let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come before you, Lord, knowing what uh, Satan's desire is for us. Lord God, know, knowing all the things that he dangles in front of us to try to get us to fall. It's up to us to put into practice what your word says, to choose widely, wisely, to make good choices. I pray for all the saints, the individuals that are standing right now. As I mentioned, if there's someone that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, it's simply just praying, Lord, I believe that you sent your son to die for my sins. Come into my life as I repent. Take full lordship of my life, and that individual is saved. Their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. And then as individuals that are here that are wrestling with choices, making a bad choice, Lord God, I pray that they would count the costs. They would understand that there's a ripple effect of their sin. Lord, that they would use the resources of other individuals around them Lord God, that they would pray, that they would be in your word, and that they would choose not to do that thing. Despite what the peer pressure is, despite what other folk are doing, that they would decide to walk with you. Count the costs. Help us to learn from David's experience. Empower the saints. Lord God, if there's someone that's wrapped 
in a situation right now. And they're experiencing the consequences, Lord. I pray that they would have the courage to confess it. Have the courage to put it before you because you already know. Have the courage to put it out there, Lord, and get him back in good standing with you. So we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in each one of the individual's lives that are under the sound of my voice. Thank you on this day. May you get all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.